T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Decades ago, the late Mayor Richard J. Daley publicly envisioned the day would come when people would use the Chicago River for recreation and, yes, even swimming. Well, we're not there yet, but there are people working to make that day come eventually, if not soon. And there's a lot more happening on and around the Chicago River than ever before. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. We're recording this week's edition of the program along the Chicago River. Specifically, we're at the McCormick Bridge House and Chicago River Museum. It's not officially open to the public yet for this season. That happens next Saturday, and we'll talk about that day in a few minutes. But we're going to talk about the Chicago River, with all its potential and pitfalls during this half hour. Guiding us and answering our questions is Margaret Frisbee. She's executive director of Friends of the Chicago River, the group that oversees this museum, and a group that's been around since 1979. We'll let Ms. Frisbee tell you about all that it does. She's been with the group since 2000 and uh, executive director since 2005. Last year, she received the River Hero Award from the River Network. Margaret Frisbee, thank you for joining me here. Craig, it's my pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Well, first explain what the group Friends of the Chicago River is and does. Well, Friends of the Chicago River is a nonprofit environmental organization, and we're working to improve and protect the Chicago River. And that means for people, for wildlife, for or for plants, and bringing and looking at it as an ecosystem, not just you know a backdrop to an urban environment. And and we're not just talking about the part of the Chicago River that people automatically think of, which is where we are. It's downtown. We can see the uh, Trump Tower behind us, but uh, but you are the whole river. That's right. The Chicago River system, people are often quite surprised because we imagine the main stem, which is from Lake Michigan to the confluence at Wolf Point, and really it's 156 miles of waterway. So the most northern point is actually seven miles from the border of Wisconsin. So the brook in Northbrook is the Chicago River. It flows through Lake Forest. It's the Skokie Lagoons. The tributaries all the way coming down from Lake County. I mean, it's it's really much more. And then we also work on the, the Calumet system, which is hydrologically connected. Now, um does your group have to uh, uh, fight off some of the perceptions that plagued uh, the uh, a, a similar but different group, uh, Friends of the Parks, that some think of conservation groups as kind of spoil sports? Uh, they, they, they blame uh, the Parks Group, for example, for the George Lucas Museum deciding against being located here. Your group has opposed, uh, it did oppose dying the River Blue for the Chicago Cubs World Series win. And you're not all that happy, I understand, with the annual dying of the River Green for St. Patrick's Day. Well, I think most of the time people view us as a partner. Friends has worked really hard to make the Chicago River, the whole system, be part of our communities. And we don't think it's mutually exclusive to have a big urban city with wildlife, with people in canoes and kayaks. We think that healthy fish and healthy people need the same thing. So most of the time we actually are giving the river back to the people at the same time that we're trying to make it healthier and cleaner. That doesn't mean that on occasion we come out on the other side like dying the river, which we think is a really big public perception issue. Nobody would ever imagine dying Lake Michigan green. 
And when you think about that with the river, it's really, it's a, it's just kind of a cultural issue that to think if you knew there were beavers, if you knew there were fish, would you really dye it green? And that's part of why we take issue with it. And now uh, you've had no real uh, control over the fact that it has become such a tradition. Um, are you happy that at least the authorities are listening to your concerns. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're not using something even more odious than, uh, than food dye. Yeah, my understanding is the dye that's used is not, um, it's a plumber's trace dye. It's used all the time for all kinds of things. It's not really toxic, but there is that public perception issue. And overall, we're winning. We think what will happen is that over t the leadership here will eventually say, you know what, we don't want to do this e either. Let's, you know, let's, get big ice shamrocks that melt away or, you know, celebrate in these different ways. I think we'll all evolve as a society together as opposed to maybe we need to stop somebody with a lawsuit or the kinds of things that other environmental groups might do. Well, we are uh, sitting outside of the uh, McCormick Bridge House uh, and that is where the museum is, is housed. Tell me a little bit about the museum, uh, what, what's here and what, what does it teach? Sure, absolutely. So the McCormick Bridge House in the Chicago River Museum is really dedicated to bringing the Chicago River to life for people and helping them understand its history and what happened to it. And the, the core idea of the museum is that the river changed as people's use of it changed. So pre-permanent European settlement or, you know, really U.S. government settlement, the river was a place where it was full of wildlife. There were, you know, this is a, an amazing part of the world, this, this combination of ecosystems systems between the Great Lakes, the Northern Forest, and the Prairie. So this was a place that was teeming with life. And this we had wetlands, and there was birds, and all just amazing, amazing amounts of wildlife. So Native Americans were hunting here. French fur traders were hunting here. They were using the river system for transportation. And as the population in the Chicago area grew, we started to use the river in a different way. So we started using it for more formal transportation. The Army Corps of Engineers, as early as the beginning, when we built Fort Dearborn, we started digging through to get out to Lake Michigan through the sandbar that used to be here. So we started manipulating it right away so we could take advantage of this location on Lake Michigan. And then eventually we raised the city, we dumped our sewer system right into the river. So then, you know, now we're shipping, now we're sewage, and then bigger shipping with the sanitary and ship canal. You know, and so it changed, it changed, but now we're at a point where the river is alive again. There's more than 70 species of fish, there's beavers, muskrats, turtles, you know, all kinds of things. And so the, the final story with the museum is telling the truth that this river it doesn't stop. We can change it, we can improve it. And so its future is really exciting and bright. If there's any river that has a history that tells people that it can be changed, uh, this is the one because, I mean, you know, the, if there's anything people know about the Chicago River, it's that its flow was reversed. Right, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, and can, can you quickly explain what, what, what that was about? Because I think people hear it. And they go, yeah, I heard that once. What was that about? So one of the things, so the Chicago River flowed into Lake Michigan, which is Chicago and all our surrounding suburbs source of drinking water. So the Chicago area literally grew from about 100 people in the early part of the 19th century. And by the end of the century, there was over a million. So what was happening was we were dumping all of our waste, our sewage, our industrial waste, all into the river. It was flowing into Lake Michigan, and it was making people sick because we were taking that water right back out and drinking it. So in 1889, um, the region developed the Chicago Sanitary District, which is now the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago, and tasked them with coming up to a sol with a solution to fix this problem of the this 
sad, polluted river flowing into Lake Michigan and making people sick. So they came up with a suite of ideas, and the one they chose was to verse, reverse the river by digging the Chicago Sanitary and Ship Canal, which opened in 1900, and literally just kind of tipped the balance of this meandering prairie stream away from Lake Michigan and downstream to the Displains, the Illinois, and ultimately the Mississippi and the Gulf of Mexico. Hmm. Um, now... One of the other things that I find interesting about uh, the Bridge House uh, Museum is that this is not a mock-up of a bridge house. Yeah, no, this is the real deal. Um, although I will be honest, the one that we have our Bridge House Museum in is an ornamental tower. So it is identical to the other three towers. But from the very beginning, which um, the towers opened in 1920, um, the mechanisms to lift the bridge were in the northwest and the southeast tower. So ours is always ornamental, but it's always been a real bridge house. But and and people can there are times when I, I guess for, a, for an extra fee or something uh, when they come to the museum, if, if, if uh, the bridge is scheduled to go up, people can get a better view of it? Yeah, you can actually get inside. At all times from when we open for the season, May 12th, um, through the end of October, you can get in and see the gears, the proper gears that lift the bridge. And they're really highly efficient. So it's just a work of art how they were engineered. It's just magic. And then on top of it, in the spring and the fall, when the sailboats come and go from Lake Michigan for the summer, um, you can get in on Wednesdays and Saturday mornings and see the bridge go up from inside the museum. So you see these giant gears, this giant bridge, you know, double-decker Basque Trunnion Bridge go up and down and you know there's those flags on the Michigan Avenue Bridge and they're all askew and the people are looking down at you I mean it's it's just astounding of all this big noise but it's really fast and efficient because it's so well designed so it's really a treat well now up to this point we've been talking about the basically things that are about the river let's talk about the river itself um, because uh, you know we what I talked a little bit at the beginning about what uh, the uh, first mayor daily said this is not swimming water or or it shouldn't be i mean there may be people who want to who probably with alcohol involved try to swim in it every once in a while but uh but but how is it doing well actually we're not very far from swimming so um the water quality is dramatically better Everyone's familiar with Deep Tunnel, the tunnel and reservoir plan that the Water Reclamation District did, which is 109 miles of tunnel that have, uh, were completed in 2006. And then it's complemented by reservoirs. And two of the reservoirs are online and half, well, a third of the third one is. And we also started, um, which has just had dramatic impact on water quality. So on average, we had like a sewage stormwater mix in the river on average every three days. Well, that is reduced by 85%. So the ambient water quality has just gone up dramatically. In addition, in 2015 and 2016, two of the treatment plants that discharged to the Chicago River system started killing, um, using technology to kill bacteria and pathogens that used to come into the waterway, which then, I mean, that was probably the biggest water quality improvement in 25 years to have this done. So technically by law, we have a swimming standard that we're not quite meeting and we're trying to figure out why but we're really close to swimming and if you compare us to the hudson river or the willamette in portland we're actually you know if you were you know you've no health issues whatsoever you know swimming in the chicago river is probably just fine hmm. um and and is that a goal absolutely <laughs> Last fall in September, um, we organized an event with a water reclamation district commissioner, Josina Morita, called The Big Jump. And we jumped in with uh, Congresswoman Jan Chikowsky, Congresswoman Mike Quigley, uh, 
board president Tony Preckwinkle and a host of other elected officials to show people that's where we're headed. Mm. Um, and, and, and let's talk about uh, where else you think it should be headed. Uh, it's, it, it's not, I mean, there are some things going on now. I mean, I see kayaks and, 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 and I guess skulls or whatever. The, what, what do you call the, the racing shells, the, the, I guess? Yeah, I don't shells, know. Yeah. Uh, out there every once in a while. Uh, but, you know, what, what do you want to see from here? Where we're, where we're sitting right now, which is at Michigan and, uh, and, and, and the river. Well, for us, it's really about helping people understand what an amazing resource this is. And that just because we're in downtown Chicago, at least where we are today, it doesn't mean that it's not part of our community. And so the Chicago Riverwalk is a really good example of how you can think about the river in a different way and get people close up to it so they can understand that it is full of fish. And what we want are people hanging out by the river in canoes, in kayaks, on water taxis, eating dinner, having a picnic, playing with their kids, fishing, kayaking, rowing, you know, thinking about the river as part of their community. It's not just a backdrop for boats or this beautiful skyline. It's part of us. So instead of looking down at it the way that we have been doing literally and figuratively for generations, we want to be part of it and we want to give it back to people, but also to wildlife. So we talk about habitat um, down on the jetty, the block between Franklin and Wells. There's in-stream habitat that we piloted and now the city has invested in. And so that will help the wildlife, you know, the fish creatures and macroinvertebrates, the things that live underwater quite a bit. So you like seeing people strolling along uh, past here and, and uh, the, the activity down here. Absolutely. It's beyond exciting to us to see. And the thing is, is when we get people close to the water, they start to understand not only that there's fish in the river, but they start to go, hang on a minute. Was there a combined sewer overflow? Is that litter? What's that problem? And they start to become advocates as well for a cleaner, healthier river because they're so close to the water. Are, are there some problems like litter and, and, and other things that keep it from hitting the plateau that you want to see it hit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just last night, in fact, there was a combined sewer overflow, which means that our, our tunnel and reservoir system was overwhelmed because it rained so hard last night. So what happens is that you get runoff pollution, which could be motor oil, road salt, which is toxic to the water and not healthy for people. You, We had sewage in the river, again, because it's a combined sewer overflow, so it's the sewer system that's overwhelmed. But in addition, we also, it washes litter into the river. So, you know, kind of careless litter ends up, and not only is it unsightly and kind of repellent for people, it also breaks down and really can harm aquatic life. How long, when there is an event like that, how long does that last? Well, you know, it kind of depends if it rains day after day, if, you know, if it's sunny and warm for the next five days. This is a meandering prairie stream. It never is going to move fast, but it, it takes a while. I mean, there's the range for how long sewage can impact a water body is, you know, across the country, different municipalities are 24 to 72 hours. So it just sort of depends on the weather and the flow. Is, is that kind of thing always going to happen? Well, hopefully not. So the tunnel and reservoir plan is designed to was designed to eliminate this altogether. However, we've had dramatic changes in weather. So the climate impact from climate change has made it rain harder, which can cause isolated combined sewer overflows. We have um, more frequent rains and that um, just hammer the system. So we end up with more CSOs because of it. The other thing 
is that we have developed the region. So we used to have, you know, prairies and forests which absorbed water and we've paved a lot of it. We've built buildings. We've, you know, we've covered it up. Even turf grass, everyone's turf grass has really shallow roots. So rainwater, when it rains hard, it just will rush right off into the storm drain. So that's why we talk about native plants and the term green infrastructure, where, you know, you let water percolate back down into the ground as opposed to kind of this archaic Victorian view of that it's garbage and we should get rid of it. We want to keep it and let it flow into the ground, which keeps it out of the sewer system and ends this this cycle of combined sewer overflow. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore, and we're talking about the present and the future of the Chicago River with Margaret Frisbee, Executive Director of Friends of the Chicago River. We are switching our vantage point from Riverside to inside the McCormick Bridge House at Michigan and Wacker. And again, thank you for having us here. And uh, this is the museum part of the uh, museum, so it's uh, kind of fun to be in here. Uh, but let me ask you about uh, other buildings that haven't been here as long. There's a lot of building going on along the river lately. There's new restaurants, there's night spots. Uh, you can't go very far around even downtown without seeing construction barges. How does your group feel about the development of what Mayor Emanuel uh, has taken to calling Chicago's second waterfront. Well, you know, if you look at the development along the river, it's really changed. What we're seeing now is a po is instead of having kind of that blank wall that the East Bank Club has, we have people orienting their buildings towards the river. The Lyric Opera, big wall, East Bank, big wall. Instead, these wonderful places like River Point that just opened has a, a, a like a half acre park, the Chicago River Walk down on the river. Um, up at Lathrop Homes, there's a new development where they're actually preserving the natural riverbank so people can get on the water in, in canoes and kayaks, but turtles could live there as well. We have, um, let's see, I'm trying to think down the South Branch, there's the, the 78, the new 62-acre community. All those places, they're developing the river as an amenity that they're expecting people to want to be on the water. And so, interestingly, from our point of view, rather than taking the river away from people, we're giving it back to them. But as is the case with development anywhere, sometimes people start to worry that there's too much development and that too many uh, things will be aimed at the river and, and endanger its future. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. What we are always doing is really trying to make sure that there's balanced development. And so we talk about, um, in fact, we do awards called the Chicago River Blue Ribbon Awards, and they, they recognize people, developers, planners, who are, are, giving, are thinking about water, wildlife, and people. So that means you're thinking about stormwater and how it's going to stay on your property instead of end up in the sewers or running off into the river. You're thinking about wildlife habitat. I mean, Chicago is just this extraordinary path location on this path of bird migration. So we need to be thinking about what kind of birds, I mean, you could be flying here literally from Ecuador on your way to the boreal forest and you're going to stop in Cook County and we need to be ready for you. Um, so we're always looking at it with that eye. We want people next to the water. We want wildlife to have a corridor to, to live and pass through. And we want to make sure we're not going to contribute to water quality um, to harming water quality, but that we're actually helping it. And that's what we look at with new development. How do you keep people oriented? You, you had mentioned before, when people are walking along the river, that they can see that there's wildlife, that there are fish in there, and that it orients them more toward caring for it, that they worry about the litter. But how do you keep that attitude as more of the emphasis becomes 
putting a building uh, here, and it's it's the park where people eat, and uh, there's nightlife here, and people are drinking and walking along with cans of beer or something like that. How do you keep the attitude going that this is something to be preserved as opposed to something that's just a background to all the fun we're having? Well, I think there there we have to look at the river through. A few from a location-based point of view. So downtown, we're probably not going to have you know coyotes sneaking. Well, actually, that's not true, right? Yeah, we know we there have. are coyotes we, we, downtown. Yeah, we have. But but you think about like the river walk. It's getting people who would never be near the river next to the river. And other parts of the river system, we have forest preserves. We have parks. The Chicago Park District is inve- investing heavily in natural areas, and creating places where people can go and experience nature along the river. Again, some of these new developments are doing that, and so. So from our point of view, what we want to see is all along the river corridor is a celebration of this idea of a natural resource. So in a built environment, like along the main stem in the Chicago Riverwalk, you can have native plants, you can have interpretive signage, you can come to our museum and you can learn about this natural resource. And you can notice if there's garbage floating and call someone and say, yuck, somebody needs to do something about this. So we think that it's not... You know, there are certain places that it's never going to be a natural riverbank, but we want more natural riverbank than less, and we need to think in terms of how we paint the picture for people to keep them excited and engaged, whether that's through programming, whether it's interpretive signage, whether it's activities that people are seeing happen in front of them, and just providing places for them to go so they can interact with the river. Well, let me ask you about something that could be natural and also man-made in, uh, in some ways, and that's the... Uh, uh, some plans for the North Branch. Um, uh, Northside Alderman Michelle Smith and Scott Waggispack uh, want to see a 24-acre uh, park built along the North Branch with baseball fields, a boat launch, and more. Uh, that's even more than Mayor Emanuel's been talking about so far. How do you feel about those plans for that big a park? Well, we love that idea. And in fact, friends attended a lot of the meetings talking about the concepts behind it and really worked on concentrating on this natural river edge. Right now, the city of Chicago, by ordinance, there's a 30-foot setback required every time there's a redevelopment along the Chicago River. And we know that that works when you're just creating trails. But if you want to create quality open space, like more of an oasis, you need more. And so that parcel, or those several parcels together to create that 24 acres would do that. So you could have natural areas where, where wildlife could thrive, but you can also have ball fields. And we'd like to see that not just up on the north side, but in all the other places along the river system where the planned manufacturing districts are going to be redeveloped and kind of consider them, you know, oases along the river that are connected by the river itself. Uh, what kind of response have you gotten from the, uh, the Emanuel administration to broadening what's already pretty ambitious plans for this, uh, this river uh, to include something like that? Well, we don't have any official comment from the Emanuel administration at all. Um, I know that they've planned for over 60 acres within the new developments that are happening already within that Northbridge framework plan. And what we see this is complementary to that. It doesn't infringe on the Lincoln Yards footprint. It's adjacent to it. It's the east side of the river where you're going to get more sunshine and create longer days for people. And the the sites are um, pretty well polluted. There's some functioning businesses there, and we just see those relocating, not going away, so those jobs stay in the city. And just taking advantage of what's happened in that community already, the trends are like Finkel Steel moved to the south side. you know, And so using those kinds of mechanisms to relocate anybody who's there and taking advantage of it, cleaning up that land, and giving it back to the people and to the river. Um, these all 
are, are ideas that will cost somebody money, whether it's private developers or the city. And the city would probably still have to make some infrastructure improvements uh, to do this. Is that the big uh, roadblock to doing this, or is it something else? Well, I would say that we haven't really identified a path for completion. We're at a point where we are talking about a concept and trying to build a dream for something to strive for. So even the river itself, like if you think in terms of when Friends of the Chicago River was founded in 1979, everyone thought we were crazy. They were like, the river, what? It's polluted. Who cares? It's fenced off. I don't mind. Well, now they do mind, and they want the river to be part of the community. So what we wanted to do was say, let's add this big, beautiful, bold concept, and then let's work together to figure it out. Within the North Branch Framework Plan, there's, and I'm no way an expert at this, so I'm not gonna talk it past my pay grade, but there are a bunch of different mechanisms for funding, so there's transaction fees, There's a, a there could be a river tiff formed, so there's a, a variety of ways of doing it that if we bring it together, that it will actually be a not insane investment. I mean, I think people thought Millennium Park was a crazy idea when you put the price tag down initially, and look what it's given us. I mean, it's really extraordinary. And that's what we're aiming for is extraordinary. It's not a neighborhood park. It's a park that belongs to the whole entire community because it's on the river and the river belongs to everybody. Well, now, as you've alluded there, there is still industry along the river. Um, what's, what do you see as the future for that? Not everything is going to move. Is there a way to contain what might be uh, encroachment on it? Uh, or or the the uh, outflow from it yeah I mean, our the way that we work is we think we are operating in an urban environment with this highly engineered river system I mean literally the the water's low today because the water reclamation district lowered it because they're expecting a lot of rain so we're we know we're in a highly manipulated system but we know that we're in an urban environment and so what we also know is that we can add to that and make it better and stronger wilder more wonderful and so um, for example Ozinga who does ready mix concrete has several places along the river well they're core to the city of Chicago and the region for building things so they're not going to relocate they bring in a huge amount of material on barges in order to make the concrete so that's you know I've heard different terms but 40 to 80 trucks off the road that's clearly environmentally good so what you do is you work around them so when you're you know if you're working on a, a continuous river trail you go all right I'm now at a place that that's not going anywhere how do we work around it we go around it we create places to go so that they can keep functioning and so i don't it's not an either or scenario it's um we're, in fact we're working on something and looking at wildlife habitat and use all along the river and we're calling it an opportunities index there's no bad there's only good and better and better and better well the things that are going on along the river of course can be expensive can cost money and it's a lot of attention a lot of effort um but this is mostly, at least for the public perception, is this is mostly an effort that is focused on downtown and the north side. Um, what do you say to people who are in other neighborhoods, who uh, maybe on the west and the south sides, who suggest that the efforts are still being made to cater to more affluent people? Things like this are good for a, a certain class of people, but that if this money was spent you know, in, in some of the poorer neighborhoods, think of what could happen there. How do, you, how do you reconcile what happens here versus what could be happening in some neighborhoods that are still struggling to get people to stay in them and to be attracted to them? 
Well, I think we have to invest in all our communities. I mean, from our mission point of view, of course, we're working to improve and protect the Chicago River system, right? So that's our filter. Um, but I see that investments that raise the, the whole of the city up that belong to the public, it's not privately held, it's publicly owned, are shared by people and everybody can come and participate this, in this, you know, activities that can make you healthier, get you outside, get your kids outside. And I don't think we choose one thing, we figure out how to do it all because we really need to. That's that's what you need to do as a community. Well, and we've only got a minute left, but I can't let you get away without ex explaining a little bit about we, this museum doesn't open until May 12th. That's this coming Saturday. Um, and that's also a special day. Tell me a little bit about that day. That's right. So next Saturday is Chicago River Day, which is a day where we invite the public to come help improve and protect the Chicago River. We have over 70 locations all along the whole river system. So if you're up in the north suburbs, if you're on the north side of the city, the south side of the city, out west along Palos, anywhere, we've got a place for you to come and help from nine till noon. Really fun community-based day where we get people out and they just help pick up trash, work on invasive plants, you know, help build trails. So it's really kind of a hands on and get dirty and if you're the kind of person that wants to keep your hands clean you can visit the museum which also opens for the season on chicago river day well thank you very much that is margaret frisbee she is executive director of friends of the chicago river thank you for hosting us uh today yeah, I, I'm, I'm the guest this time yeah no i'm glad to have you here and uh, we'd love to have you back and this is the chicago river museum where we are now to our listeners if you would like to uh download this program or to hear it again please visit our website that is wbbm news radio.com. You can also hear our podcast always on radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue that will probably be a little bit more political. Uh, and until then, uh, I am Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.